Welcome to Angels Live, a podcast talking to angel investors and entrepreneurs. In our episodes, we will dive into the why and how our guests got started and what's important navigating the startup journey. This is where you can learn more about how jobs are created, innovation is sparked, and tap into what's happening in your local community. I'm Marsha Dawood. And I'm Warren Spiewak. Our mission is to be your gateway to the Angel Capital Association and an inside look into the startup world. So today we have an episode, actually we're gonna do two episodes. Uh, It's a two part series. We're gonna be talking about resilience. Yes, and we have two founders who are going to share their stories about the type of things that they had to do to kind of make it through and just get to the next level and and be able to get through some of the things that over the last year we've seen some crazy stuff happening with uh, the pandemic and all these things that are happening in our world. So we want to talk a little bit first to Colette Cauldron, and she is the founder of Joy Lux. And Warren, if you remember, uh, you probably saw her on the stage getting the Louisville Lobos Award at the Angel Capital Association Summit a couple of years ago. Do you remember that? Totally remember that. I remember, number one, I remember Colette's speech, right? Like her ability to communicate and share what her product does, how it is impacting women, and really some of the science behind it was very impressive. But another kind of thing that I remember, and this is just going back to the summit, I want to say it was uh, two summits ago, two years ago, um, Chicago. I remember her actually winning an award. I don't remember the name, but I remember it was kind of a big deal. I think that would be something. Can you like tell us about that? Because that was that was a big deal. Yes, it is. Uh, The Louisville Lobos Award recognizes the most ingenious and innovative idea that was recently financed by members of the Angel Capital Association. So each year uh, there's three finalists and they pick a winner and uh, Colette was one of the winners. And this is a, an award to honor Louisville Lobos who founded Tech Coast Angels back in 1997. He unfortunately passed away, but he was such an inspiration to so many. And that's why we want to keep his legacy alive with this award. So really cool that uh, Colette was one of the winners. And I will tell you, Colette is so um, amazing uh, that when COVID happened in March, she rallied her team and got together with her investors and told all of us what was happening um, with the company and and how she was going to pivot and change, go from a B2B type of sales angle. And she's going to talk a little bit about that today into B2C and I saw a resilience in her that I just was so impressed by. And I thought, wow, we really have to get her uh, on the show here to talk about it. Awesome. So Colette, welcome to the show. I'm so excited for you to to share with us your story. I know there's, we're going to get into resilience and all of that. Can you walk us through kind of like where this all began and where you, you know, you not only did you start this company and have this vision, but even the first time you ever were introduced to the angel world. Yes. Uh, Well, again, thank you for allowing me the opportunity to uh, share my story with everybody. 
Uh, so the story, so what, what is Joylex? We are a platform of life-changing menopausal health solutions for women anchored by our proprietary VFIT device. And, and that's the device that um, uh, you, you were referencing. We didn't start there though. We started as, uh, a, a, it started from a very personal experience of mine. I uh, became a mom about six years ago, and uh, as I was pregnant, my girlfriends shared with me, Colette, be prepared to pee your pants every time you sneeze. And I was like, what? What are you talking about? I thought, you know, women, we just gained a lot of weight. And they said, nope, you'll pee your pants. And so I looked into it and discovered that it's uh, stress incontinence or bladder function issues is a really prevalent problem for so many women after childbirth. And I said, there's got to be a better way. And that's when I took my experience in uh, medical aesthetics or uh, energy-based technologies and applied it to the vaginal tissue and have developed what has become the world's first I can say that with confidence. The world's first home use device that uses uh, red light uh, technology, red light energy to treat the vaginal tissue to basically rebuild collagen and elastin and, and tighten things up. And um, so that's where we started as this wonderful product treating this issue so many women face. What has evolved over the last three years is we have become so much more to uh, women as they go through the change. What we discovered was our product uh, was being purchased by women that were over 40 um, and going through the change of menopause. And that's when we identified that we have an opportunity to really provide uh, solutions for women as they age, um, but anchored by our core product, VFIT. So that's where we are today, but it's been a very interesting journey over the last three years, four years. Okay, so that's the thing. I was telling Marsha before you came on, I was saying how when I left that conference and learned what Joylux was about and this device, you know, there's women in my life where I'm having this conversation with where, where you know, it's a very transparent conversation. And they're going like, yes, Warren, you don't realize that after you have kids, you can't go to the trampoline park and not have issues, right? Yes. And and so it was like almost every woman that I talked to about this immediately saw the value. And that makes me want to ask you, where did you intersect with angel investing? Like, where were you in your career where you're going... I need some outside help. What is the process to begin this conversation? Uh, well, I'm thankfully, uh, this is uh, not my first rodeo. So I'm an entrepreneur now. I've done th three startups. Uh, and angels have always been such an integral part of our company and my companies in the past. And so I started with uh, one individual who um, immediately got what we were doing and uh, he thankfully wrote the first check because what we're doing is not inexpensive. Uh, devices, um, regulatory, all the stuff that goes into it, clinical work, it takes a lot of capital to do. So I was thankful to um, start with someone that believed in the dream early on. He wrote the first check. And then from that point forward, uh, we have been funded largely by angels and a lot of women angels, which uh, is so exciting to me because that is newer to me than when I started Angel, um, my first company back in 2004.
Hi everyone, wanted to jump in here and let you know, whether you lead a fund, own a business, or are about to kick off your own startup, you're going to want to talk to Warren and his insurance super team about business insurance. They have helped thousands of businesses and are redefining how you purchase insurance. To learn more, go to angelinsuranceprogram.com. So this brings me to you, Marshall. I remember, I think we were talking like April, May of 2020. COVID was everywhere. And you actually brought up, Colette, in, in your experience with how some founders are really responding to the, the pandemic, if you will, the, the fact that business was really being turned upside down for so many companies. Marsha, what, like, what were the things that you come to top of your mind as we get into this interview? Well, what I found so striking and just really amazing about what Colette was doing right when we went into lockdown. So if you think back, it was the middle of March and uh, the whole company or the whole country was being shut down. And we were starting to hear from our portfolio companies, us angels out there in the world. And uh, we heard from Colette very, very quickly. And not only did she say, hey, I'm going to raise my hand right now and tell you that, you know, there's something going on that we need to react to. Um, but she had an entire plan and had already started to implement most of that plan. So I would love for her to talk a little bit about her thought process and kind of what she went through, because from that point forward, I didn't see other companies. I saw several other companies that did really well with handling a pandemic. I saw some companies that didn't do so well. Um, but to have a plan as quickly as Joylux had a plan, and the whole Joylux team was involved, it wasn't just Colette, um, that how they had that whole plan together and went out to their investors, were totally transparent upfront and said, hey, this is what's going on. And, and we need your support, both financially and emotionally and any other way we can get support. Um, and this is kind of what we're going to do. Please, you know, be with us, be in the boat with us. And that's kind of what happened. So tell us a little bit about your thoughts there, Philip. Yeah. So being a, a three-time entrepreneur, I have the, you know, previous experience and wisdoms. Uh, I survived 2008 uh, and the financial crisis there. And so I knew that the what the what was going to happen, what the world was facing was going to be a big deal and that we had to act quickly. In fact, um, I had just started to raise our uh, our next big um, institutional round and uh, in early February, and I was starting these discussions with VCs. And I went on a short vacation because a friend of mine got married and we were in Mexico and we're starting to hear about how this pandemic, uh, this uh, uh, at the time it was coronavirus, uh, was coming into the country. And I just knew, I didn't realize that, that it would be as bad as it ended up being, but I knew that there was going to be severe financial impacts to how we did business. And so I got back on um, the first week of March and I went to our team. We had a uh, team meeting a huddle, and I said, "Guys, this is not going to uh, uh, end well. This is we're heading down a really bad path. We need to act quickly." Uh, so the first thing we did as a management team is say we looked at our expenses and we said, "Where can we cut?" 
And unfortunately, um, we knew that our salespeople being in the field were going to have the toughest time because with closures coming, uh, their inability to sell into a doctor's office or a retail outlet was going to be challenging. So we had to make the tough decision to let go of all of our salespeople. And we did it very respectfully. We gave all of them uh, ample time. We gave them benefits for an exterior, uh, a, a period of time. Um, so we were very respectful about it. Then as a management team, we said, okay, it's not fair that just those um, employees were suffering or those team members were suffering. So we as a team all took a very significant pay cut. We just felt it was the right thing to do and the right message to send to the company. So across the board, we all agreed and we, we sat down and we said, what, what, how, how far can you go to the point where it's not going to impact your, you know, I want to make sure you can feed your families and pay your rent. <laughs> and so, but they all came back to me and said, this is what I can do. This is what I can do. And I was so proud because never once was it me saying, I need you to do this. It was they came to uh, me and said, this is what I'm willing to do. And in most cases, it was even more than what I uh, was hoping for, you know, what I was planning from a financial model perspective. So it was, it was so admirable. Uh, then we looked at our other expenses and said, what else can we cut? Um, and so by doing that exercise, we had a very good plan. But because we were right in the middle of a fundraise or had just started a fundraise, we knew we were going to, uh, our, our cash, our run rate was not going to be long. So we put together a bridge note um, that would get us to, um, at the time we thought the world would start to come back together by fall. Uh, even though some people uh, said, oh, this will be back together by summer. We had budgeted for fall. Mm. And so we, before there was PP, uh, loan, PPP loans, before anybody said anything in March, we sent out a letter to our uh, investors and said, this is what we've done. This is what we've cut. This is the runway we have. And this is what we need to raise in order to buy us, you know, you know, nine months of runway to ensure that the world gets back together. And I want to say, I want to say something to you as just an observer, you know, it's like some of the things that I'm noticing you did right from the get-go is a lot of people, especially when you have investors, you were very proactive. This OPEX, this operational expense kind of uh, footing that you took was very proactive. I think that a lot of times if you're a founder and you've got investors, on one hand, you're trying to make these adjustments. On the other hand, when things do get back to normal, I'm sure there's some kind of a feeling of, what do you do when it's time to ramp back up? Sometimes investors have a very short memory, you know, and, and it's and they go like, hey, we know it was 2020, but now where's the next deal coming from? Exactly. Tell me about it. So I was pleased at how quickly we um, pivoted as a company. As it turned out, while a big portion of our business was impacted by closures because we were selling into physical offices, what uh, ended up happening is our online sales took off and how women prioritized their health uh, um, really uh, was a pivotal moment for our company. 
Um, additionally, um, because of, again, not knowing what would happen to the economy or the, the, the world, we got creative in how we sold our products online. We introduced a subscription program, which allowed women to buy our device and our products over uh, a six-month period, as opposed to writing that are, you know, giving us a credit card for $500 up front. It ended up being a huge success and um, making up 40% of our transactions. And as a result, that's what that's why we've evolved into becoming much more um, of a menopausal platform because these women are saying, we love your products. We love getting everything monthly. What more can you uh, deliver to us? So it actually ended up being, as we sit here in 2021, uh, a really a silver lining, a blessing for our company. It allowed us to pivot into something much bigger uh, and uh, we're, uh, have a really solid foundation for 2021 and beyond. And I think that's what we saw was so interesting about when we talked to you at the end of March. I, I literally think it was only two weeks after mm -hmm. the um, initial shutdowns were happening in March of 2020 that Colette came to her investors and said, hey, we need to talk about the company and what we're doing. And it wasn't just, hey, we're going to take pay cuts and do these things and cut expenses, which a lot of companies were trying to do. It was we are literally going to change our business model overnight um, and ramp up in one category and ramp down in another and and be able to do that. So, you know, one of the things that you just mentioned was about really changing your strategy on your online platform. So talk to us a little bit more about that. Well, I, again, as I was uh, mentioning um the we introduced the subscription program to allow women to pay for the device. We basically amortize the device over a six month period, but we have all these beautiful accessory products that go with the device. And so we then shipped women every month the the device or we shipped the device the first month and every month we gave them all these additional products. And we gave it to them at a savings. So there was a benefit of signing up for the subscription. But what we found is that women loved these products. They may not have originally thought to buy these products when they just came to us. But now that we were automatically sending them these products, uh, they, they loved it. And they said, we want more. How about this? Can you help me with this? And um, I'm really proud to say that, you know, here we are. Um, going on our ninth month of this subscription program, we have a 93% retention rate. Wow. Uh, it is unbelievable. Women, um, uh, our lifetime value is almost double what it was had they just purchased a uh, initial product and device from us. So it's really working out. It's a win-win for everybody. They're getting these amazing products. We're introducing more products. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, as a company, it's making us stronger company. So I remember this. I'm going to paraphrase this because I know I've, I've got it wrong. But I remember this kind of statement where it was like the women that have this device, when it comes to their house on fire, it's like grab the kids, grab the dog, grab the Joy Lux device because it's that important to them. I think what I'm hearing that's really resonating with me about how you've made these adjustments uh, over the last year 
is that part of it was operational, but so much of it also was you innovating how palatable it was for women to access this device without this huge investment on the front end. How did that affect, like when it comes to accounts receivable and things like that, for you, the reward is now delayed financially for you to sell the product. Any any kind of adjustments that you notice that a business needs to be thinking about when doing more of a long play on receiving the money for their product? Yeah, and that was one of the big things that we had to grapple with before we launched this program is we weren't getting that cash up front. So we had to make sure we had enough uh, cash to sustain us um, given that we were going to see that cash delay. We also didn't know what our retention rates were. So if we had big drop-offs, that would negatively impact the program. So we sent a we set a target that if, if our retention rate falls below X, then this program will no longer be a, a profitable program or won't work for us. And um, so, you know, from month one, we, we were watching those numbers and they weren't dropping off. And so then month two came, we're like, okay, surely we're gonna see a drop off and that didn't happen. And so here we are uh, going into, uh, like I said, almost nine on our ninth month and we're still maintaining this uh, retention rate as we're adding more and more women. Now, it's not 100% of our transactions, it's uh, roughly 40% of our transactions, which is still very high. Um, so we, you know, the 60% of the upfront purchases certainly is helping us and, and we have healthy margins. Um, so there's, you know, room for us to delay the uh, cash in um, over that uh, subscription time. And, and what do you think the future then looks like? What happens once we're past the pandemic stage? Well, thankfully, um, this has become who we are as a company, and we have made investments then over the last year to do things like create a mobile app that then tracks much more metapausal symptoms than just what the device was doing um, and offer up these products to women. Um, we have come up with six new SKUs that we're launching with over the next three months. So. Um, our platform is evolving. It's becoming much broader. And once you know it, uh, the timing is perfect. Um, Forbes magazine uh, uh, last month and Crunchbase yesterday came out with a report that says menopause is a $600 billion market opportunity that has been virtually untouched by investors. And we as pioneers in the space totally get it right now. We know, um, but we're thankful that now investors will recognize the um, opportunity and uh, start making investments in this space. Wow, that's incredible. Incredible market size. So, you know, Marsh and I have done some interviews where we were talking about just underserved founders in a way, you know, like when you really look at statistics, women founders and and in, in minority founders, it, it almost it's like under 5% of VC capital is going to you guys. Is there any way that you could tell me some of the obvious things that you've noticed? Because there's a lot of tenacity in what it takes to, to do what you've done, not just with Joylux, but this is your third time doing it. What advice do you have for women, for underserved founders that, that might be saying, well, you know, as someone who you've figured this out, what have you learned and what would be like a few points that you would 
you would share? It, it has been challenging for us, uh, fundraising. Um, the bar for, I, I feel from personal experience, the bar for female founded companies is much higher. Uh, I often, investors uh, will uh, react not, uh, they'll say not what the potential is, but what are all the things that can go wrong with your company as opposed to, oh, I get it. Um, so uh, a lot of um, investment and uh, is about timing, right? So the timing for menopause apparently is now because people are starting to take notice. So thankfully, we built this great foundation and will benefit from the timing of this. So we'll benefit from um, the media and um, people talking about this category. But my advice to other women founders is you just have to keep at it. You are going to be rejected a lot more uh, uh, um, than our male counterparts. Um, it just it, it, that's the reality. Um, um, but you just can't take it personally and you just have to keep doing it uh, moving forward. I have my little list of um, I can't wait till the day I can say I told you so <laughs> to someone that, you know, turned us down. Um, wow. But, uh, you know, the, the reality is it just is going to take a lot uh, more time and you're going to have to look knock on a lot more doors. But ultimately, if you have the right product, the right people, the right market, it will pay off. Well, Colette, thank you so much for coming on the show today. And I uh, really appreciate hearing all about Joy Lux and what's happening for the future. Thank you so much. And again, thank you to the angel community. If it wasn't for the angel community, we wouldn't have been able to accomplish what we have. So I'm very thankful for all of you uh, out there supporting uh, startup companies and especially female founded uh, startups. We need more of you. Well, thank you. And so anyone who's listening to learn more about Joy Lux and also have access to Colette's LinkedIn page, we will put all the information in our show notes and uh, great things coming. Sounds so yeah. good. Thank you so much, Colette. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye. Angels Live is produced and sponsored with the help of the Angel Capital Association's Angel University. You want to learn more about how to become an angel? The Angel Capital Association offers four basic courses ranging from fundamentals to valuations and three more advanced courses covering topics like board roles and cap tables. To find out more and sign up, go to www.angelcapitalassociation.org.